So for today's episode, uh, we actually got a request from a few listeners. One in particular was real adamant about us talking about this. And this is about uh, like the right mechanic mindset or mechanic work ethic and mindset. So, yeah, I guess they kind of go hand in hand a little bit, maybe. Yeah, you're 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 right. You got to have the work (laughs) ethic mindset. If you got the beanbag it mindset then you, all you're going to do is beanbag everything right and and this has come especially true because with everything being shorthanded everything still ramping up with despite being shorthanded and in certain places they're hiring just anybody and everybody who just like has even a slight bit of interest into joining whatever industry you're in so you may not exactly get the best and brightest right i know a few places mm-hmm. where like you're, it's very sensitive, detailed work. And then the person coming in is like someone who's never touched this in their life, never went to school or training for this in their life. They just somehow got the job. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> well, <laughs> what or maybe they did go to school, right? But we all know that coming out of school, you, you have a broad overview of what the industry is. A very, right. like a, like a 20,000 foot view of what the industry is. And not specific to this one task that they got hired for, but you got a license and we can hire you, you know. Very true. Very true. And and especially for those who come out of school with that 20,000 foot view mindset, it's very easy for them to to feel, how do you say, not egotistic. Well, I guess egotistic. Empowered. I know everything. I mean, it's one of those like, you worked your ass off for however long it took you to get your license. You get your license and congratulations. That's a, that's a big achievement. Um, but it can get to certain people's heads pretty quick where they, you know, I got the license. You can't tell me what to do. I'm a certified A and P. Well, yeah, but everybody starts at the bottom, right? Nobody's a master of everything right away. It takes years of hands on to, to be, get good at what, whatever it is your job is. I mean, you know, I, 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 for myself, I kind of consider myself a, a broad overview, uh, kind of mech. I, I'm, I've done a little bit of everything, but I would consider myself not so much of an expert at any one thing. Right. Um, you know, where I worked with guys who were composite specialists and they, they're magicians with composites. I mean, they can take, they can take and make some structural piece of art from you know flimsy pieces of carbon like it's it's impressive what they can do they're they're artisans um and i was never that good but i i tried to learn as much as i could from them so i'm i know enough to be dangerous i guess yes (laughs) what i'm what i'm trying to say you know but but if you come in like i i know all that i know that i know that you can't tell me yeah yeah, i got you i got you well they're gonna go oh okay so you don't want to learn anything cool we have this job over here here's the drawing good luck (laughs) <laughs> right and, you're gonna, and 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 that's and that's how the industry works like oh you do know everything you're good oh you 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 just got out of school but you definitely have like 20 years of hands-on experience in sheet metal cool well here's the drawing um there's the aircraft and make it so and <laughs> and that's how the shops and maintainers work i mean that's exactly how we are in the industry We're like oh that sounds good we'll 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 vet you out we'll make We'll make you show us that you don't actually know what you're doing. Right. I think we don't have to prove anything. 
<laughs> yeah, that's funny that you said that because I knew a whole bunch of people. Arrogance is the word, matter of fact, what I was looking for. Not egotistic. Well, I guess arrogant and egotistic are kind of sort of the same. But you always get like that new check-in guy or a person. And they always come in there with like the biggest head. And so like, all right, man, like we got you. We'll, we'll give you a couple of field tests to see how you do. And then if it's not to what you said you can do, then we know right o- we'll know right away that we're going to give you the jobs that nobody wants. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I had I had a guy uh, come up on a deployment, and yeah, hey, uh, like he was one of those we called him a tactical. They wore they 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 brought like the rest of us brought the rattiest clothes we had on deployments, right? And we were civilians in a war zone, but so we didn't have to wear BDUs or nothing. But we were like, it, we, we would, it was like dicky shorts that had been. Who knows what kind of oils and hydrofluids and grease and whatever had been on. I mean, they were, you know, if they were the tan Dickies shorts or pants, I mean, they were 50 different shades of tan. You know what I mean? It was uh, and, and holes, that, uh, shirts that had holes in them and they were ratted out and the necks were all wrung out. And, you know, they had tears in them or whatever else is because. You're on deployment, man. You're just working your your ass off. But we always have these guys that would show up again. That uh, kind of that elitist mindset, like like the uh, tactical with a five eleven gear, everything, real nice button up shirts. Like look like they were getting ready to go undercover or some bullshit. I don't know, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. They got the they got like the pit viper sunglasses and shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they would come dressed like that, and the rest of us look homeless. <laughs> and uh, but but they show up, you know, and they're in that, and you're like, why did you get all this? Well, we had a clothing allowance, I might as well buy good stuff. I'm like, but why bring it here? Yeah, right. You're it's just gonna, gonna get ruined, up. dude. It's just gonna get ruined. And they're like, you know, nah, that's okay. But like, like, all right, well, we got you know oil change to do in this one. Yeah, I don't do oil changes. Huh. Uh, say again, I don't, I don't do oil changes, man. I don't want to get oil on these on these new clothes. And we're like. Well, just what we had said. Why did you bring them here? Well, because you know they're they're nice. Look at them. I'm like, but look where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not in such a nice place, <laughs> right? You uh, know, the whole reason you're here is to work on these birds, and they're and they're like, yeah, yeah. So we don't do oil change. So what did that person do for the next six months? Every single oil change, and their clothes were wrecked <laughs> by the time they were, and they were so pissed, man. But like, do it, dude. They, you know, five against one, deal with it. Right. Either do it or get your ass kicked. Figure right. it out. You know. Uh, so like they, they it started out as tan. Now it's now they're going home. It's like navy blue. <laughs> yeah. They went from tactic tactical to tactful. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> right. So and then and less well, it's one of those like passive arrogance, right? Where like you say Hey, we need you to go prep the GS, uh, the support equipment, or hey, we need you to go check out these tools, and then they just give you like this snarky ass look, like, excuse me, do you know what I am? Right? They just kind of give you like, like, how dare you talk to me like I'm a level two freaking mechanic or whatever? I'm like, but you are though, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Well, you have the guys like again back to the oil situation. There's 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 people out there that are like I don't do anything with fluids. Why? Well, I don't, I don't want to get them on me. Well, okay. I mean, some of it's pretty caustic and can burn like sky draw or whatever. I get that, but you know, PPE up, 
<laughs> or yes. just be careful as you're doing the job. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like don't go in there and cowboy it up, like figure it out first and put some thought process into it. But, <laughs> but they, they, they don't want to do it. And you're like, what did you think you were, why did you go and get a license? And what did you think this was going to be? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I want to go, we'll work on all electric this and that. I'm like, well, they're still going to have some form of fluid in there. Some somewhere, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, unless, unless everything's electric driven. And then in which case, okay, I guess your chances of dealing with, with, but it had to be solar powered then at that point or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Or right. All battery. I, I, I'm not an all electric expert, but like, what did you think you were going to, get into when you when you when you got this license did you just get it so you thought it was going to be something different than what it is or but okay so like i've even tried to accommodate those kind of people in the past okay i don't do any of that stuff all right man like for sake of for sake of headaches and argument okay cool you don't like to deal with that but the rest of us out here don't much like paperwork so we'll stay out here and do all the grunt work and the heavy work but you take care of all the paperwork for us in the back end we don't have to think about it and you're like, uh, I don't really want to do that either. Okay, well, you got to do something. Right. You can't just be here and do nothing. You got to do something. So it's either you get out here and slop through the muck with the rest of us, or, or you can go inside and do paperwork and, and do like setup for us, right? So like we we had this at, at one place we had what we called a mechretary. Mm-hmm. So they were a mech and they were there, but they're they they would come out and help do maintenance every so often, but they did like they were doing the paperwork for like 30 plus aircraft. Right. So they were strapped to the strapped to the um desk quite a bit, just you know, pre-filling out, putting serial numbers and make sure all the log books were up to date, you know, filing, all that kind of stuff. And and but but what you could do is extra to help the guys out who were running the flight line and the hangers and stuff and the in the back shop doing engine overhauls. Um, and you knew a job would come up because you you would see the scheduled maintenance coming in how many flight hours, right? You could see that, and usually you'd be talking with the lead mech like, "Hey, you got this coming up. You know, it's where it can land today and take off one more time. Or when it lands again, it's got this." But what you could do is you could go out there and say, "Okay, I know they got." these many actuators that need to be replaced. And I know they need this many bolts and they got to do fuel nozzles and they got, uh, you know, X amount of hour filter change and whatever else. So you could go stage all that stuff for them on a cart mm-hmm. in the hangar to the point of adding anises to the bolts for them already. So when the bird hits the deck there, I mean, everything's ready there and they're rocking and rolling and you can get that bird back in there as fast as possible. Meanwhile, you've already pulled all the parts tags you're inside and you've already got the paperwork all pre-filled out. So you're just waiting for them to say thumbs up. The ops checks are good. You, you, um, we had it set up to where we would have like everybody's name. So you could just e-sign it. Mm -hmm. So we would just have them come in, click e-sign and then gone. You know what I mean? Yep. And everything's in, and it's just efficiency is the name of the game. Right. But you gotta be, you gotta be willing to get back to that mechanic mindset. Right. Don't just, you can just do the job. Sure. Right. You could just wait till the thing come down. The guy's got to run around. They're already busy working other birds, but they also got to go now pull parts and everything else. And then you're going out there. Hey, can I get the parts tags? Yeah. It, when we're done, fuck, fuck off. You know what I mean? Go away. Mm-hmm. We're busy. Um, 
but you can have that forward sight, right? How can I, how can I help myself by and help them at the same time? Cool. Let me get all their parts for you. I'll gather all the parts tags. They don't have to even think about that. They can just do the work. I've got a pre-field. So by the time they give me the thumbs up, I hit one button on the keyboard and the job's done. Absolutely. And you know, most in most highly efficient uh, areas that actually happens, but then you get those individuals, you know, with that, with that uh, arrogant mindset of like, I'm not going to do this. They should be doing that for me. Right. Or that's below my performance level. Like, okay. But just so you know, like, when all this comes to a screeching halt, are we, are we identifying choke points to what needs to get eliminated or what needs to be trimmed out? Guess who's going to be the first one on the chopping block? You. <laughs> and Yeah, exactly. And, and that's not to say like everyone should just voluntarily try to do this, right? But just have the idea and the forethought like the, it's, it's all about what the end result is going to be. So do yourself and everyone a favor and set it up in such a way where like you're not trying to reinvent loops or chase down loops that doesn't need to be there, right? Uh, this mm-hmm. go, this is going into like uh, the lean concept, right? Where we're eliminating all the unnecessary waste from a, from a, a task and going a little bit about the work ethic, right? This, I think that kind of goes into like how a person expects their work to be graded because you have some individuals who think they're fucking fantastic. Like I am the shit. And then they put up their, their work for inspection and they're like, yo, this is backwards. This is upside down. This isn't torqued right or whatever the case may be. And then they start fighting you about it. Like, no, this is right. This is what the drawing says. This is what my X amount of years of experience has said. So this is right. And they would fight you on it. And so you being like an inspector or the person who's signing off the job, you're like, okay, let's look at the work order. It says to do this and you did that. It says to make it look like this and you made it look like that. Where did you figure out that it has to look like that instead of this? And then they still fight you on it. Like, like, well, uh, the engineer's stupid. I don't like the drawing. So I made it to what it really should be. Like, okay, well, fine. And even in some instances, right? I mean, even if you have a very seasoned maintainer out there and, and what they did isn't, isn't wrong. Right. But you're like, it's still not to what the drawing says. Right. But like, like you're like in that scenario where the seasoned mechanic did it right, but the drawing is wrong. That's when you would go to the engineer or whoever created the thing. Like, hey, we found a problem in your in your specification. It's not it's not fitting. It's not doing what it's supposed to, or it's just flat out a, a hot ass mess. Well, right, yeah. Don't just do the job to what you know it should be without updating the drawings first. Now, because now you're working illegally, essentially. But like, yes. but I did the job right. Well, we can just update the drawings afterwards. I'm like. I know some places sort of do that, but in all reality, you're going to, you're looking at the drawing and you're looking at the bird and you're going, uh, I I wonder if they were aware that this actually, this, this, this truss runs through here because this truss is in the way of what you're trying to do. Let me go talk to the engineer and you come out there and you're like, Oh snap. Okay. Stand by. And they go back and modify their drawing to incorporate that truss and change up a couple of the parameters. And then you go and do the job from there. Right. Or you can say, Hey, you did it this way, but uh, I have a suggestion. Um, can I can I explain it to you and show it to you? Sure, you know, hash it out with the engineers. Just don't do it because that's what you think is right. Right. God, can you imagine the aircraft out there? Be one wing would be ten feet long, the other one would be four hundred feet long. 
Well, efficiency, you know, with the fuselage and aerodynamics, the 10-foot wing's all that's necessary with the amount of thrust we're putting out. The guy building the right side of the plane goes, yeah, but 400 feet, you can really have low thrust, but you can just glide on the thermals for, for <laughs> hundreds of hours at a time, you know, fuel efficiency. Right. That motherfucker be doing barrel rolls through the air. <laughs> more wing equals more lift. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like tilting to one side like a freaking scale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but yeah, so like going back to that, that one scenario with the drawings and whatnot, if any inspection authority, if they see that, they say like they see the drawing, which if it has all the necessary signatures to say this has been approved and screened, and then they see your work, like this doesn't jive, we're gonna put you down as a as a nonconformance, right? And for the most part, right, every mechanic gets butt hurt when they hear that something's being written as a nonconformance on their job. But you never you're never hundred percent sure if the nonconformance was caused by you unless it's blatant. Right. They can just say, hey, this isn't right. This is a nonconformance because something here is not matching. And then they then they can chase it back and find out, oh, hey, the engineer fat fingered a, a number in the drawing, which skewed it all out of proportion. Or it could really just be you, the mechanic. You just thought it upon yourself to reinvent the wheel and think you're a flight science fucking major <laughs> and then re and then redo the drawing to how you see it. Now. That. That's one extreme of extremism of mindset. Another one that I've seen is where you get an individual who just who's just haphazard. He's very, I just want to get the job done so I can go on uh, being banking, as you said. Like mm-hmm. they'll just do the job to however they feel they have the energy for, or however they interpret the drawing, and then they get it called for inspection, get it signed off, and it looks. They will let the inspector or whoever's signing off the job just hit him for all the mistakes. If they find it, if they find it, mm-hmm. so they so hit them for all the mistakes, and then they say, "Okay, I'll just fill the gaps of all those mistakes." So once those are filled, then technically wh- whoever's signing off the job will just c- completely sign it off because I filled those gaps, and he didn't, he or she didn't find any more. That is another example of like just poor workmanship, in my opinion, and I've seen a bunch. Yeah, of well, them. it's no, it's not taking any pride in your work, right? And that's that's a big thing. Um, and I know, you know, all of us have good days and bad days and whatever else. And some days you just, you don't feel like trying. And other days you go above and beyond because you're just, you're feeling it that day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and some of us, maybe um, we go above and beyond when we're comfortable doing a job because we've been, we've done it before. We know, you know, we know how to make it look good, but when we get a new task and we haven't accomplished, we kind of, you know, make it look good, so mm-hmm. to speak. But <laughs> but um but just take pride in your work you know um ask questions never be afraid to ask questions i think that's one thing with a mechanic mindset especially as we get years into our career um and having somebody who's only been been in half the time come and try to explain a better way to you i know a lot of us that we we take offense to that and we get real defensive like who who are you you know what i mean you, mm-hmm. you can't tell me what to do i've you know how long i've been in the industry yeah but okay like back to my composite situation okay well i've been in the industry 10 years but my extensive composite repairs have been fixing you know blown out holes um or or surface repairs not not structural layups and building a fuselage out of it you right you know mm-hmm. 
um, and having somebody, okay, yeah, they've been in this, the field less than you, but their whole time in the field has been composite structures. So they obviously know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so never be afraid to ask questions. Just try. I, it's tough. I, st- I know I suffer from it uh, at times having somebody uh, less seasoned than you try to tell you that uh, there's a better way that you weren't aware of or whatever else, but you got to have that open mind. Uh, you got to be, cause you got to be willing to hear all sides um, and come up with a solid game plan. Uh, nobody is right. hundred percent of the time. And you know, you, you never stop learning. I had a soccer coach in high school and he said, the day you stop learning is the day you die. Mm-hmm. He goes, or the day you choose to stop learning is the day he goes, yeah, you're alive as a person, but mentally you're, you're dead. That's because you're, you're refusing to, you're refusing to accept new information. That's a very good point. I love that one, especially that that kind of reminds me of when I became an inspector for an airframe that I've never touched in my life. Like I've never seen it before. I've never worked on it before, but here I am an inspector and I'm supposed to inspect general workmanship on this airframe. And that, that's typical for a lot of guys who have some form of a, a, a inspection authority. Like, you're expected to just know all of it, right? It, it's, it's not like, it can be specific to a certain airframe. And I think that's just a company standard. But for the most part, once you have like, an, like a quality assurance authority or an inspection authority, it's kind of understood that you understand general workmanship. Anyway, so I'm going to this plane that I've never touched in my life. I don't even know what, what goes where. And so how I uh, combat that, I try to not use the word anyway, but how I would address that is when I go inspect the technician and the job, I'll start asking them shit like, like I'm quizzing them. But what I'm really doing is I just don't know what the fuck I'm ta- they're, they're working on. So, so like, so what did you do? What's it look like? What did you use? What, where's your instructions and all this, right? Like, I really want them to explain it to me to see A, mm-hmm. if they know what they were doing. But B, because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> so it kind of. I mean, I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I've done that too. I'll go down there. I ask them. I'm making sure that they're doing the job right. But it's also for my general edification. Yes. You know. And then, and then also too, like once you actually do get savvy with uh, a particular airframe, doing that same quizzing is kind of a way to ensure that they did it right. Because you already know like, okay, this is the answer. And it's like, so what did you do? And they give you something other than what the answer is like, you know, for sure you've looked it up and you've vetted it out that that's the answer. And you, they give you something different. I'm like, wait a minute. What? what say that, uh, do that one more time. And that's a, that's how you can tell like, okay, you did this way wrong. You're using the wrong drawing. You're using the wrong spec. You're using the wrong instruction, whatever the case may be. And then you can say, and then they, then that's a learning curve for them. Like, Oh, okay. I got it. Right. And that's a learning curve, especially for newer mechanics when they come into the field is too, right? Like it's not only just doing the job, but you also got to know how to explain it because that goes into your write-ups when you sign it off, that goes into your write-ups or for your OJT, that goes into your write-ups and say the customer ever decides to come and uh, uh, take a tour of the plane or whatever the case may be. Well, that's a good point. Like you said, um, knowing how to explain it. I always tell people, then I still, we still run into it now with, with poor write-ups, but, um, and it's different for maybe military birds. I don't know why it's different, but like in the FAA realm or working on like, uh, in numbered aircraft, um, that are, you know, 
in the civilian side, um, I would suggest, I always tell people, kill it with information. Mm-hmm. I mean, put enough information there that nobody can ask you questions. So if I, the inspector, am perusing through the logbook and I'm looking at the work you signed off and I was watching you do that work and I come over and let's say you were drilling out, you know, holes for a panel or whatever else and it says you know it was panel 594 or something like that just a number right Mm -hmm. and i come over it says drilled out holes on panel um completed in accordance with whatever number whatever drawing number whatever manual whatever you're whatever you're working to but i'm going what panel what side of the aircraft Mm -hmm. is there a water line is there a baseline like what am i where am I going here? Right. You know, what, what am I doing? So I always tell people kill of information. I said, if you can get right, put write-ups in there that control or whoever is doing your return to service, uh, sign off, um, reads it and say, if they can't ask any questions because it's well written and well explained, I mean, uh, that's the way you need to do it because, that's that, at least that's how I was trained to do it. And, and I view it as like, um, if, if they, if nobody can ask me questions, that means they're not, they're not questioning the job I did, but if my write-ups are garbage, right? So these are people. Okay. So let's, let me explain in the corporate realm. I might be working on a plane in Palm Springs, but the home base of operations for that carrier might be, uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the controller is back there and the return to service department. When I get done doing a job, I got to make three copies of every, everything that I've used to do that job. I mean, I'm talking about your logbook entries, your parts tags, uh, return, return, uh, parts tags, like for components that you thought you might need, but didn't actually use, um, old parts, you know, with uh, red tags, like everything. Mm-hmm. You need three copies, uh, one copy to stay with the bird one copy to say with your work order and another copy that'll be sent back to the home base for their records. Mm -hmm. But also the copy you send them is what they're going to be reviewing. And so you're going to be sitting there once you send your paperwork back and you're going to be sitting there going, uh, you know, waiting for them to call you and say, uh, yep, paperwork looks good. Lock it up, throw the sticker, throw the security sticker on the door. Well, if the paperwork's not all there or like you missed from one document to another, you missed a, you forgot to add a zero at the end or something like that. Just cause it happens, right? You're working long hours. You miss something. Mm-hmm. They're going to call you, Hey, fix it and resend it, fix it and resend it. Now, the more times they got to call you and tell you to fix it, that goes against you or your company for return to service times. Mm-hmm. And also that goes against your name. So they're going to start recognizing you as they see, as you work more birds and they see more paperwork come through, they're going to go, Oh God, we're going to have a thousand thousand things to go through and fix here. And they're really going to go through with a fine tooth comb. But if you're generally known for doing good paperwork, yeah, they'll still, they'll still look it over, but, but the, you're going to have a good name out there for yourself. They're going to go, Hey, all oh, we got paperwork in from MVP here. Um, cool. This, you know, this will, this will be quick. Yep. Uh, and then you make a good name for yourself and they're also talking with your controller. So next time they have a bird in your area that they'll call you by name. I mean, they'll call your, your dispatcher and they'll say, Hey, is uh, MVP working today? Um, no, he's off today, but he'll be back. You know, he'll be back on site zero seven tomorrow. 
Okay, cool. We'll just hold the plane until he comes back. Well, we have other guys working right now. No, it's okay. We'll just wait till he comes back. We want him to work it. Right. Like that literally happens in the corporate realm. You know, so it's also about making a name for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Having that mechanic mindset, doing pride in your work, taking pride, including the paperwork side of the job, because in aviation, that's more than 50% of the job is paperwork. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to take pride. Yeah, you could be the best mechanic in the world, but if your paperwork looks like garbage, people who have never met you, oh, they assume that your work is garbage yep. because your paperwork is garbage. So take pride in the paperwork. Make sure you get it done right um, and then make a name for yourself. And because of that, you'll generate more work. I, I promise you, you will. Absolutely. That's a nail on the head on that one. Uh, an example of bad paperwork that I've seen. And then this is probably like the most mind boggling thing I've ever read in my life. The discrepancy would read remove engine and then the corrective action would just say engine removed. Now, for a mechanic, that makes sense, right? Because you, you know exactly what happened. But say if you're a reviewing authority or a return to service authority, a safer flight or, or God forbid, a, an inspection authority, they're like, removed engine for what? Right? <laughs> and where did, right, it, yeah. where, where did it go? <laughs> uh, what engine? Which engine? What plane? Where? Where are we? Right. So many questions pop up just from that one sentence. And well, then, remove to FOM, follow on maintenance. Okay. What's the follow on maintenance? There's no other right of past this one. Yes. Oh my God. What, I hate those. What the hell are we doing out here? <laughs> I hated those. <laughs> or my favorite one, right, is uh, like anything that has to do with FOD searches, right? Like uh, lost tools on aircraft, like uh, such and such lost on aircraft, and then uh, perform FOD search, and then that's it. Like, did you find like, it? Like, did you not find right. it? Was it in or, your or, or were you working with the same tool all over the aircraft? Or were you inside one specific bay? Does that bay have access to any other areas or is it internally? Or is it just, I take off a panel and that bay and there's no other way that tool could have gotten outside of that bay. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh my God. I hated those. Cause, cause then like, again, going back to what you're saying, like paint the story, right? Like, you don't have to get so in depth where you got to tell like all the exact little details and what exact manuals you used and all this and that. that that's kind of hit or miss, especially depending on the organization. But at least paint the picture of what you did, right? Like uh, remove number one engine due to oil leak or some shit like that. Uh, perform troubleshooting steps at next higher maintenance level or some shit like that. And then your corrective action, like uh, remove number one engine, serial number wazzy wazzy. Uh, awaiting parts some shit like that something to the effect mm-hmm. see it closes the loop on the story like i know what the fuck happened but and then circling back as to that back to that mechanic mindset like if you don't have the the mindset that someone else is going to be reading and grading and trying to decipher all this shit it's all going to come right back and it's going to create all this unnecessary work for all of you for all of you and being a great mechanic is more than just having the skill to do the job. That's a given. You have to do that. But it's all the other nuanced stuff that really stands you out and makes you an asset to yourself and to the shop or organization you're with. That includes like uh, like what MVP was saying, like prepping all the installation kits or prepping the gear prior to a job or post job, filling out the paperwork, all the boring shit that no mechanic likes to do. Nobody likes to do that shit. Yeah, everybody wants to show up, run the engine, throw on their uh, their shades like their Miami Vice, 
that yeah that walks in the background everything explodes as they're walking away like in a cool shot like they're the heroes yeah <laughs> but there's a lot more too there's all the setup pre-checks then you do the actual op check and then the tear down and clean up right yes so they just want to show up do the op check and then run over to the boss and they look what i did mm-hmm. yeah well any you know it's, anyone it's, anyone can do that and, uh go, go ahead. ahead sorry well i was just saying like uh like with dirty jobs man like I realized day one, first job, I hated doing fuel samples. I hated it because I I had so much prep work to do, five minutes worth of work. And then I had another 15 to 30 minutes of actual cleanup. Like, got to go get the the fuel apron. Got to get the fuel sample jars. Got to get the alcohol to clean the fuel sample jars. Uh, The nylatril nylatril gloves or nylon gloves. And then they got to get the fuel proof shell to go over it. The fucking welding face mask and all this other crazy shit. Like I'm, I'm basically like like I'm gonna go butcher something. Oh, that's how dressed up I am. And then I go, yeah, all I got. Uh, your herd locker. I gotta go defuse a bomb. Yeah, that's more just or less what it. it is. And then all I gotta do is just put a like a empty mason jar underneath the plane. Press this little button for three to five seconds, and then and then there's my fuel sample. And just for someone to look at it, like yep, yep. There's no water or any of that shit in in this fuel sample. All right, go clean it up. And then I spend the next 30 minutes fucking cleaning a, a mason jar with the same gear on. Like, it sucks. I hated it. Uh, and I realized day one, I hated doing this job, but it has to get done. And having that right mindset to know, like, it sucks, but it's got to get done. And at least by getting it f- prepped and finished, that's just one step further to actual efficiency, right? Or you can just be the bitch and Betty who just cries the entire way or gets pissed off the entire way and it just really drags ass like yeah so i had i had a good saying i got a crew uh sort of in line with we were deployed one time right and we was just it was like weeks on end where it was just kind of being it was just rough man it was so much going on it felt like we were the only ones out of all the locations that were doing maintenance we were swamped i mean running from from start to finish but i started this phrase was it can only last 12 hours Mm-hmm. And guys like what? I'm like, you only last twelve hours. I'm like, man, this sucks. I'm like, yeah, but it's gonna, it's only gonna last twelve hours. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, because we were twelve on, twelve off. I was like, what? The twelve hour mark. The next guys are coming in to replace us. And then they're gonna eat a bag of dicks for the next twelve hours, and then we'll come back in and and start start where they left off. You know, I was like, but it can only last twelve hours. And so it was one of those things. Like they just kind of picked it up. It was kind of became the mantra. They they you know, like all right, what do we got today? Okay, we got blah, 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 and this happened too. <sighs> All right. It can only last 12 hours. Let's get to it, you know. <laughs> That's a good and it was one. just kind of like it helped them get through the day, you know. <laughs> Didn't make the day any better, but it was just like, it was just changed, changed their mindset a little bit. Okay, well, the suck can only last for 12 hours. Absolutely. You know, there's a time, there's a cap to it, right? Yes. That's a good one. I like that. I like that a lot. And it did something kind of similar. It was like, oh, at least it's only... Uh, it's only X amount of hours till chow, right? And that's more oh, yeah. or less how food's we, a big in, big incentive. Yep. And that's how we pretty much counted our days for the most part. Like you don't actually count like, oh fuck, we got like eight more hours till quitting time, nine more hours to quitting time, blah 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 blah, or ch- uh, uh, change a shift. Because I like, got oh, well, at least I only got three more hours to chow, right? Oh, at least only three more hours to break. And then by the time your last breaks over, then you guys are starting to button up for the next change of shift, hopefully. <laughs> But that, I like that. It's only going to last 12 hours. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, another thing with the mindset is um, uh, own your mistakes. I mean, if you mess up, 
own your mistakes. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to push it off on somebody else. You try to hide it and somebody else finds it and it, it turns into a big thing going, Oh my God, who did this? You know, yes. um, uh, own up to your mistakes. And if you make it and nobody else caught it, self-identify. I said, and I say this because uh, it'll suck initially and you'll probably get some butt chewings out of it or whatever else. But they can trust you the minute they can't trust the minute nobody can trust you to do work by yourself or to do work in general. Uh, you've killed your career. Yes. If nobody can trust you to do it, they're going to go, who did that? Fuck. All right. We got, I guess we better go back and, and uh, re-verify everything that they did uh, because nobody trusts you. So now you come back in on your next shift and like, Hey, you guys finish it up. Now we had to go back and verify everything you did. Why? Because nobody trusts you. You do shit work and we all know it. And guess what? We found mistakes and you knew it and you didn't tell us. So we had to fix all those. And now we're right back to where we were supposed to be picking up yesterday. So now you can pick it up again, but don't worry about it. Just let it sit. We'll take care of it when we come back in. And that happens quite a bit. But again, the minute nobody can trust you, you've killed your career. I've seen something exactly like that, but with the paperwork side of things, like they did the job. They just never bothered to do the paperwork. So the next coming shift, they're like, well, what the fuck? Did they do anything all shift? So they go to repeat the exact maintenance that you just did on your shift, however long that took, right? Yep. And like, they'll talk about double maintenance, man. And then there's no way for anyone to verify if you did or did it. Like, well, we tasked out shift X to do it, but there's no record of saying that that they actually did (laughs) it. Right. Yeah. You tasked them out. That's great. But what shows that they completed it? Yeah. And the only reason you know is you're pulling filters. You're like, this filter looks brand new. And then somebody else on the other side goes, hey, this filter looks pretty clean, too. Yep. Hmm. You know what I mean? But then you then you run into those issues, right? Like, so do we just sign it off as previously complied with? Or do we just wait for that shift to come in, come in and then have them sign it off, right? And then now, so now you're just, yeah. depending on how that rolls, like you can say like, well, we verify work that's been previously done, but we had no idea if it really was done. So that's that's one shady side of the house. And then the second one is like, you just let the other shift sign it off. But then you're eight hours, nine hours, however many hours till they come back, if they come back, because that might be that person's day off or some shit like that. Right. It might be the weekend, right? The day crew finished up and they went home for the weekend. So nobody's coming back for 72 hours. Yeah. And and it's so depending on some organizations, you can't recall somebody because it's their designated day off or some shit like that. So now what used to be like your go-getter plane for whatever operation you guys had, now it's out of the mix because you can't verify if a job's been done or not. And that goes but way back to that that whole completionist mindset or that whole mechanic mindset. <laughs> right. Woo, man, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, one thing I would like to highlight just a little bit is, you know, like uh, you get like that enterprise ethics chart, you know, like we like, what's it? We do quality work. We verify each other's work. Uh, we, we work as a team. Quality is not a race, what, whatever, like main big enterprise like uh, company ethics is about right it sounds all nice and preachy but then when you get down to the shop it's like a whole different set of rules <laughs> uh, but i can understand to a point like why that why like big level or corporate level uh ethics is such a a wide shot is because they can't like they're kind of leaving it to the sh- to the shop's uh preferences to what applies directly to them. Because if they just say everything A to Z is going to happen, 
but it doesn't apply to you. So like, so how the fuck do I apply this to my shop? Uh, right. I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know how to do this. Cause this is meant for it guys and we're a maintenance division. So what do I do? <laughs> and then they, <laughs> yeah. then they call you a, a, a non-compliance because you're not following a to Z. I'm like, what the fuck you want me to do, man? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how to incorporate this into my, my division. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's a good one to close by. Uh, final thoughts on this MVP. Uh, it's just again about having the having the positive mindset. Yeah, not all the jobs are glamorous. Not all the jobs are uh, heroic ones, right? That'll get you recognition in the boss's eyes and everything else. Um, but the jobs got to get done regardless. And maybe you won't look like a a hero amongst uh, management, but you'll look like a hero amongst your uh, fellow maintainers. Um, and that's really where it starts. You know, you'll have the back and because of, you know, things go sideways or you need help. Like, Hey guys, I forgot to do this. No worries, man. We got you. We got you covered. You know, whereas if you're the beanbag type, they're just going to, you're going to be hung out to dry. Yes. Um, and, uh, and you will be, you will be hung out to dry. I promise you. Nobody's going to let you get away with it. <laughs> yeah. I've never been in any hangar where you would be let to get away with that. <laughs> right. Or at least not for that one time you did do it. Uh, what, what was that one saying uh, you mentioned once? It's like anything can get accomplished as long as you don't care who gets the credit. Oh, yeah. That was a Ronald Reagan. Um, there's no limit to what man can accomplish as long as he doesn't mind who gets the credit. Yes. And that's this exactly applies here. Like. Yeah, you're not the mechanic getting put on the wall for mechanic of the year or uh, inspector of the year, whatever the case may be. If you just like breeze out those awards and just know that you're you have the pride that the job got done because of you, that I think that's the bigger reward. Like, yeah, cool, they got their name on the accolades, but they know exactly what happened. We know exactly what happened. We we got we're in the shop and we got you on this. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, true. Yeah, it's like we got you. But again, same thing. If the guy makes. Uh, employee of the year or whatever else and they're like oh they did did they mm-hmm. interesting and what got him that oh that was it and i'm telling you the masses will go out of their way to ensure that person gets buried <laughs> the next time they they do something shady like they will be they will be outed uh there will be retribution it'll, yeah. and it'll be swift and firm you know <laughs> yes <laughs> So again, like this was again from a listener. So if you guys have any other requests or stories or topics that you guys would like us to talk about on the show, please uh, hit us up either on the social medias, uh, visit us on cancelformaintenance.com or shoot us an email, whichever way is easiest for you. We're always here. We're always listening for it. And we're most definitely want to have some of your stories put on the, on the show. Uh, on that note, see you guys again next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media, such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, 
Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for maintenance podcast, or on Twitter at C-X-M-X podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.